0: Progressive. Respectful. Mentoring. Compassionate. These are the values of Palmdale Regional Medical Center. And now we proudly present Palmdale Regional Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. According to the Federal Center for Disease Control and Prevention, up to 6 million Americans may have atrial fibrillation. My guest today is Dr. Kanwaljeet Gill. He's a cardiologist and a member of the medical staff at Palmdale Regional Medical Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Gill. So, first, tell us a little bit of physiology. What is atrial fibrillation?
1: Well, atrial fibrillation is an irregular and often rapid heart rhythm that uh, occurs in about 5 to 10% of patients uh, above 60 years. And uh, during atrial fibrillation, the heart, uh, which has two upper chambers uh, called the atria, Uh, start beating chaotically and uh, irregularly. And uh, they beat out of coordination with the lower chambers, which are the ventricles of the heart.
0: So would somebody know, is this something you can feel if it's happening?
1: It's something that a lot of patients can feel, but there are subgroup of patients that do not have any symptoms from atrial fibrillation and that present with signs of strokes or blood clot going to other organs in the body which becomes an emergency. And uh, most of the time the signs or symptoms I should say that uh, patients complain about are shortness of breath, they feel their heart pounding They feel tired and fatigued when they walk or do any exercise. And sometimes they feel lightheaded or dizzy. Those are typically the most common symptoms that patients complain when they go into atrial fibrillation.
0: Dr. Gill, who's at risk for AFib?
1: Uh, Well, mostly uh, AFib is seen as patients grow older. And it occurs more in people that have underlying heart disease, mostly blood pressure, blockages in the heart arteries, abnormal heart valves, or if they have underlying lung disease, even thyroid disease can cause this. People that have history of smoking or use too much caffeine or stimulants, alcohol, they are predisposed to getting atrial fibrillation. Sleep apnea, which is one of the common uh, causes uh, of atrial fibrillation often is uh, not very well recognized by both the patients as well as the physicians and uh, becomes a very important risk factor for people to develop atrial fibrillation or flutter.
0: Dr. Gilson's many heart problems have similar warning signs and symptoms. What is a, something that you would tell patients about when to really seek treatment because even some of the symptoms you mentioned can mimic anxiety and stress and panic attacks.
1: That's exactly right. And uh, what I tell patients mostly is that they need to do periodic blood pressure and pulse rate checks. And anytime if they feel that they are not feeling good, uh, and it may not require them to go to the hospital, but just to check their blood pressure, pulse rate, and discuss with their primary care physicians or cardiologists about these symptoms early on. And uh, it may require a simple EKG to kind of rule out whether this is anxiety-related palpitations or shortness of breath or symptoms that they are getting, or is it some sort of a true arrhythmia that is causing it? And uh, a lot of times, this also can be episodic, where it's not continuous, and uh, the doctors may uh, like to do certain tests, like a Holter monitor or an event monitor, which they can wear for 24, 48 hours, or sometimes uh, up to two weeks, to uh, catch these arrhythmias when they happen.
0: What's the first line of defense and the treatments that you recommend if you do detect atrial fibrillation in someone?
1: When you detect atrial fibrillation, typically there are a few things that are going on. Number one is their heart rate typically goes from 100 to 170 beats per minute. So the first thing that we try to do is control their heart rate bring it closer to normal, 70s, 80s, 90s, if we can, with certain medicines that slow the heart rate down. At the same time, we assess the risk of blood clots that can develop in these patients. And there are certain group of patients that are more prone to developing these blood clots that can go out of the heart and lodge into the brain and cause a stroke, or go down into the legs and uh, stop the circulation in the legs, uh, or go actually to any organ in the body, including your gut, your kidneys, and can cause major, major issues there. So in the patients, we quickly assess their risk of developing those complications. And if we find that they are at risk, we try to Put them on blood-thinning medicines, which lower the risk of them developing those complications.
0: So if they're on blood-thinning medication to reduce the risk of those complications, is this something they're going to have to take for the rest of their lives?
1: It depends on an individual. There are certain patients where this atrial fibrillation happens fairly and you catch it fairly early in the course of the disease. And a lot of times you can prevent putting them on long-term medications by either keeping them on medicines that will control the rate and the rhythm, mostly the heart rhythm, where you try to keep them in normal sinus rhythm, which is the normal heart rhythm. And if you... Are confident that these patients are maintaining normal rhythm, then you can take them off of blood thinning medicines. Older folks sometimes and those that have a lot of other what we call comorbidities, high blood pressure and diabetes and prior history of stroke and congestive heart failure, or blockages in their heart arteries or blockages in their vascular system in the legs, they are at great risk for those complications. And those patients, we make sure uh, before we take them off of these blood thinners that they are not going in and out of this atrial fibrillation because a lot of times people may not feel When they go into atrial fibrillation. And even short episodes of atrial fibrillation that may not go noticed can lead to those complications that we alluded to earlier.
0: Are there some surgical interventions that might be necessary?
1: In some patients, we do send them for what we call electrophysiology consultations, where there are certain procedures. Uh, that are catheter based where uh, catheters can be inserted into the heart chambers and using controlled energy they can either, either freeze or heat up certain areas of the heart tissue where these irregular heartbeats are more prone to start. And by that you can eliminate atrial fibrillation not 100%, but at up to 70% uh, of the times. So the success rate for those procedures may not be that high. And it all depends on what their risk factors are. Like we talked about older the patients, they have history of weak heart muscle or they have congestive heart failure less likely for these procedures to work, but there are a whole bunch of patients that would be excellent candidates for those, and uh, we do screen those patients and send them for those procedures, and they can get off of uh, all the medicines that we use, like blood thinners or medicines to slow the heart down. They potentially can get off of those once there is a success with these procedures. So
0: in just the last few minutes, Dr. Gill, what should patients with AFib be thinking about when seeking care, and what do you want them to know about lifestyle, behaviors, modifications, anything they can do to help the situation?
1: Well, like any other heart disease, I tell them that they need to stick with heart-healthy foods, eat more vegetables, fruits, whole grains exercise regularly. Physical activity helps not only the risk of getting heart disease, that is uh, coronary artery disease or blocked arteries, but it also helps the electrical system of the heart. Smoking, if somebody is a smoker, I ask them to quit smoking. Alcohol, like I said earlier, alcohol in moderation. One drink a day for a woman and men older than 65, and up to two drinks for men less than age 65. Um, Also, I tell them to keep a record of their blood pressure chart and heart rate and monitor those on a periodic basis, Uh, not to overdo it, but to check it on a regular basis. Uh, Of course, sleep apneas are very common in people that are overweight and uh, losing weight is one of the main things that uh, help uh, lower the risk of uh, sleep apneas and hence uh, atrial fibrillation, and of course follow up with doctors on a regular basis if you have been diagnosed with AFib uh, and that uh, so that they can be prescribed the right medicines when we catch these arrhythmias. Uh, so that's what I recommend. To
0: and why should they come to Palmdale Regional Medical Center for their care?
1: Well, we have uh, a very good cardiovascular team, and all the doctors, and we have uh, a good support. Nursing support is excellent. We have uh, great dietitian dietary support, and uh, we are uh, basically uh, doing what uh, uh, is being uh, done uh, and has been proven in all the big studies uh, in the country.
0: Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Gill. It's such important information. You're listening to Palmdale Regional Radio with Palmdale Regional Medical Center. For more information, you can go to palmdaleregional.com. That's palmdaleregional.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Palmdale Regional Medical Center. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.